Welcome back to Bachelor on the Couch, the podcast where comedy becomes clinical. Today, we are talking about defense mechanisms and ERP for anxiety. So as always, that's Liv. That's Jenna. Take a seat on the couch. Look at those smooth transitions. Smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. It's all only downhill from here. <laughs> uh, speaking of sailing, I might be sailing my way to Chicago. Please arrive via boat. <laughs> Imagine. What's that river? The uh, one that they turn green. The Chicago River. That's what it's called? Yeah, but I don't think that's going to take you from Boston to us. It might. Can we find a body of water that could get you from Mass to Chicago? This is how you know I've never looked at a map. Who knows? (laughs) But anyways, yes, after three years, I will be coming to Chicago. I did look at some flights, so it's a big step. Big step. Liv sends me a Snapchat before hopping on a recording today and was like, look what I'm doing. And then I got giddy, so... Yes. Stay tuned. I want it known that Liv made it very clear her um, goal for visiting was to see Fiona Gallagher's home and the restaurant from The Bear. So really, I'm just giving her a tour of movie sets. (laughs) That's all I want to see. I don't want to see you. (laughs) I mean, you're housing me, but... (laughs) She's like, I will take your spare room, but um, I will be on my own excursions. Thank you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm very, very excited to have a live potentially soon. Woo! Anyway. We love it. How about these last two weeks? I don't understand that we're halfway. I know. When I saw how many guys went home, I was confused because now there are only, what, like five or six left? I think there are six left. I still don't know any of their names, but I think there are six left. But that's crazy. That was like, this started at like end of June and it's almost end of July. So that's We're only halfway. a month. Yeah. But I, when we think about it, so next week there's six. And then in theory, doesn't it go down to four for hometowns? So we've got next week, we've got hometowns. We have the men's hell all and then fantasy suite week and then the finale. So that's five more weeks. So it's been four. It just feels really, really fast to only have six guys right now. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it like that. So we have like another month left. Yeah, but I think it really puts in perspective, especially when we're recording and even doing the every other week with recording, it really puts in perspective how quickly this show goes by. Right. And Did the- you see that they're doing a Golden Bachelor? Yes, I am. Everything I've seen about the Golden Bachelor seems so wholesome. Uh, what, is he like 71? I think so. His name's Gary. Jerry, I think. Is it Jerry or Gary? I think it's Jerry. You might be right. But everything looks so wholesome. Have you seen the pictures with him and his daughters and granddaughter? Yes. I'm like, oh, this man's. <laughs> Finding love at 70 years old. I love it. The commercial, it's like, he still mails real letters. His <laughs> Florida wants to retire and move to him. I'm like, oh, right, sir. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be funny. Um, But I'm curious to see if all the biddies are just as um, dramatic. Oh, for sure. I wonder how many, like, or how old the girls have to be. 
Yeah. Like, right. do they also have to be around his age or cougars? You see a bunch of- are you saying the women are going to be way, way younger or way, way older? Wait, wait. Cougars, cougars is the one be- that is older. Okay, okay. Can we please have a bachelor where he's already old and then we have all of the contestants <laughs> 20 years older? Exactly. I mean, I'd watch it. Let's let's be real. Oh, me too. Um, when is that supposed to start? Isn't that in the fall? Um, slash. When is Bachelor in Paradise? No clue. I keep seeing like rumors of people who are there or not, and I have no idea timeline wise. I have. Yep, me neither. So I guess stay tuned. Yeah, I'm sure the information's out there. Just require me to look. We can we can do some research. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be back for next to, week. Back to uh this season, charity. Yes, yeah. What what were your thoughts on on a date? Like, you did you have a favorite date these past couple of episodes that they did? While I loved the Barbie group date, I really enjoyed watching the most recent group date with the wilderness and the um little girl scouts who were well, I guess they weren't girl scouts but the scouts who were there and the one who was like she might be a demon child like I thought it was really silly and really funny and all the guys like getting really creative I've got this charcuterie board spread for presentation I thought that was really silly and I'm not an outdoorsy person but watching kind of their like silliness as like I don't think any of them are really outdoorsy people but really throwing themselves into that I enjoyed it what about you I actually really enjoyed the Barbie (laughs) date um it was like a dollhouse like brought to life and them in the different like Ken costumes were really funny um what was there was one guy who was wearing like the birthday suit Ken and someone called him like a condom or he like looked like a condom yes <laughs> i don't remember who but thing. yes <laughs> yes uh, it was just so fun and playful um rather than like some of the dates at least from last season were kind of heavy like the whole like group therapy ones mm-hmm. and like this one felt more kind of like joyful and more light No, especially I think with group dates, for me at least, I think there's a lot more value out of the ones where you get to see personality and you get to see silliness and like how do we put ourselves out there in uncomfortable situations, but like fun, uncomfortable situations, not just uncomfortable because we're on undelving trauma. Um, Right. So I agree. I think that Barbie date especially was just silly. And like, how can we play around in these costumes and interact with one another and kind of in a way sub- like support one another because everyone's kind of out of their comfort zone but also in that competition obviously exactly a lighthearted fun yes <laughs> no, I, I i thought the group dates these last two weeks were really silly yeah i did like the the girl scout one too just the different challenges that they had to do then they were kind of like ganging up on brayden with one of the questions like everyone wrote his name and I was like, oh, yeah, who would you kind of sucks? <laughs> yeah, who would you eat, Brayden? Yeah, <laughs> I think the last couple episodes, there was a lot of chaos and drama around Brayden. And I know, oh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit today. But I think I think that was really interesting to watch play out. And he even came back for a little bit. And then they were like screaming at him from the limo. 
It's like, what? I really didn't understand the purpose of him coming back. I thought Charity handled herself really well, as she has all season. So Mm -hmm. far, I think she handled herself really well when he was like, I wanted you to know it wasn't you. And she was like, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Like... So I just, I didn't understand the purpose of him coming back. And then all the guys were like, we're in protective mode over her. But really, it just seemed like a bunch of men trying to beat their chest. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very odd. And they kind of like, <laughs> like chased him out. <laughs> like, this is really, really mature. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, it felt icky on multiple sides. I don't necessarily think there was anyone in the right there. But I do think you got to watch a lot of different egos at play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Brayden, mm-hmm. um, I definitely saw these defense mechanisms come out. And I know we kind of touched on it previously, but I did want to bring it up again because it was not even like subtly mentioned. I think like one of the other contestants was like, oh, like you're overcompensating for your failures in life, basically. Yeah. I think we saw a lot of insecurities from Brayden, but also from like other guys in the house. We saw a lot of insecurities and oftentimes that comes along with this sense of beaten up ego. And that's where these defense mechanisms come into play. Exactly. So I wanted to give a little definition of defense mechanisms. Um, I know this kind of goes back to Freud, which was who was the psychologist like way back when who did a lot of the um, unconscious sexual <laughs> things that come up in the mind he's definitely controversial but he yes. is father psychology yes so i remember like learning a lot about him in like every psych class so um he definitely had some important things to say i wouldn't say they were necessarily the best but you know they they were important too so The definition of a defense mechanism um, are psychological strategies that are unconsciously used to protect a person from anxiety arising from unacceptable behavior. Um, So these are things that could come up either unconsciously or consciously to protect a person from anxiety or distressing moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these defense mechanisms that come up aren't necessarily positive or good. They are oftentimes like hiding an internal state that maybe should be worked through, but they're in place for a reason. So humans like can go through life without being so anxious 24 7 or extremely distressed and i think these work for a period of time these defense mechanisms but as you continue to hide those internal feelings they can build up so it has a purpose but also kind of like any mental health challenge it's important to kind of explore that yeah exactly what you said these defense mechanisms are functional But in the short term, they're very functional. In the long term, they can actually be harmful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The other contestant like called him out and was like, Brayden is overcompensating for maybe like a a lack of confidence or, you know, some type of failure is a harsh word, but some failure in his life or something that he feels like he's not living up to. So he's kind of being like a little like annoying or like 
over exaggerates or is super energetic to kind of hide those failures. So the term compensation refers to people who overachieve in one area to compensate for failures in another. Um, For example, you know, this is just one example, individuals with um, that grew up in you know, a poor family or a low socioeconomic status family may direct their energy into excelling above and beyond what is required at work. So they might be like a super perfectionist and wanting to get, you know, A pluses all the time. So we could definitely see a little bit of that when he is like in the woods and He's being kind of like cocky, I guess I would call it. Well, yeah, Um, I I think how it was referenced in the show, it's he's being really loud and really flashy and mm -hmm. and it being received by like the people around him as like, okay, it's (laughs) yeah. And I think the other guys are like, oh, gosh, like they they definitely pick up on something that's kind of like going on. Mm hmm. Maybe like internally that maybe Brayden doesn't actually realize, but from the external point of view, the other guys are like, all right, like something's going on. Yeah. And I think a big piece when we're looking at defense mechanisms and even recognizing that we are engaging in a defense mechanism, there's a level of maturity that comes with that. That's and recognizing too, Brayden is, I think he was the youngest one there, wasn't he? Like 24. Um, yeah, I think he's 24. Yeah. So it's like that awareness of these things where I guess we can't confirm or deny whether or not he was realizing of like, oh, I am doing this thing because of uh, this insecurity or I'm doing this thing because of um, some nervousness I'm feeling in this experience. But other the other men kind of picking up on that a little bit more so. Right. Right. I have definitely seen the little compensation in my life, too, where I'm kind of like this perfectionist at work, kind of always have to be like on my game and everything. And it could come out in different in different ways, too. So like, you know, like Brayden, maybe being like overconfident or like super energetic or maybe someone else like myself, like being a perfectionist, like that compensation could come out in different ways. No, I agree. I think oftentimes different defense mechanisms and specifically this overcompensation one, I think can pop up in a lot of different contexts. Mm -hmm. Another example, like for me, um, I get really nervous when things are out of my control. And Mm -hmm. so to kind of over, if I don't have control over something, I will overcompensate by just talking and talking and talking where Mm -hmm. I might, it might not be productive. It might not be helpful, but that's like, that's the thing. Like, well, I don't have control over this situation. So I do have control over information and talking. And that's where that overcompensation happens for me, but it it looks really different, but it's the same thing. Right. Definitely. I think he took up a lot of time and energy the last couple of weeks. And I know a lot of the men spoke out about it too. They felt like because of his chaos and his drama, they missed out on opportunities to connect with Mm -hmm. yeah but i know like she had some great like one-on-one dates and she was really able to connect with um those guys too doing doing some cool things and having some deep talks yeah i'm actually going to use that to transition into what um stuck out to me now i definitely at work focus a lot more in cbt and exposure therapy so my brain like watching her do specifically 
the um, one-on-one date. Oh, shoot. I forgot his name and I should have written it down and I did not. Um, But the bungee jumping. (laughs) Dayton, I think. Dayton, you're right. Yep. That sounds correct. Dayton. Um, One, I just really enjoyed watching that date. But two... (laughs) I thought we got to witness on screen the power of facing our fears. So I really wanted to like talk about ERP or often it's known as exposure therapy, exposure response prevention, but exposure therapy. Um, Leading up to the jump, you really saw Charity experiencing the physical sensations of anxiety. We saw that fight, flight, or freeze activated. We saw she was getting really tense. Tears were filling in her eyes. She's really shaky. And you saw that a little bit from Dayton as well. But that anxiety of like, oh, shoot, I was excited about this. But now I'm here and my heart is racing. This is terrifying. And honestly, watching it, I was terrified. Like, I don't (laughs) think I could have done it. (laughs) I've been bungee jumping and I like blacked out during it. So that's insane to me. Yeah. But so like you saw her physically mm-hmm. have this reaction of anxiety and that is so normal and so natural. Um, similar to what we talked about with the defense mechanisms, our anxiety and that fight, flight or freeze reaction is functional. It's to protect us. It's to keep us safe. But then we come across these experiences where we are safe. Our brain might go, oh, this is dangerous. I'm jumping off a 20 story bridge with just a bungee cord <laughs> connecting me. So it's like our brain is going, this is a danger, but in actuality, we are safe. We have safety precautions, but our brain doesn't recognize that. Our body doesn't recognize that. They made the jump anyway. There was that high anxiety, high distress, but they made the jump together anyway. And what I loved listening to was Charity and Dane. They both kind of talked about this, discussing how liberating it was conquering that fear and taking that leap where they finished it and Charity's like round two let's go and they did it again and when we talk about exposure therapy I think oftentimes people get really nervous when they hear that because I have to go into the thing that makes me scary but by doing that by engaging with this feared stimuli in a new way what we're actually doing is creating new neural pathways and teaching our brain that hey, I can engage in this thing and I don't necessarily have to like it. Obviously, the bungee jumping, they they ended up really enjoying the experience. But with exposure therapy, it's not necessarily about enjoying the feared stimuli, but it's more so going, hey, I can engage in this thing. I can interact with this thing and still be okay and start to teach my brain that I can do that. There's a piece of self-empowerment as well as overcoming that fear so that anxiety doesn't have to have that control over you. Charity and Dayton both very easily could have decided, hey, this is actually way too scary. We don't need or want to do this. And I'm sure they still would have had a really lovely date. But I really loved being able to watch that experience of high distress, the experience of high anxiety And then very quickly, as they made that leap, as they made that jump, the conquering that jump, conquering that fear. So much so it went from being a really terrifying thing to, wow, this is so enjoyable and I'm really loving doing this with you. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like desensitizing Mm -hmm. yourself to that experience. That's exactly the word. The more we try to avoid something that we fear, the bigger, badder, and scarier our brain makes it. So by engaging with it, by interacting with it, by exposing ourselves to it, we start to desensitize our anxiety to that thing. And avoidance, you know, can be 
a defense mechanism. Exactly. It's a safety behavior. It's functional. Exactly. So it's protective, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then if you keep, you know, kind of avoiding it, and even though it's like functional and protective, at some point, you're not going to be able to do the things that you want to do or you enjoy doing. Exactly. At the end of the day, the safety behaviors, the coping mechanisms, these things are functional. They're not good or bad. However, Mm -hmm. we can also recognize they have a short term, like, benefit, but a long-term detriment. A lot of um, mantras behind exposure therapy are that short-term pain, long-term gain, but that's really true. Although it's uncomfortable in that moment to maybe put down that defense mechanism, to put down that safety behavior, to no longer avoid. Mm -hmm. Although it's uncomfortable in the moment, long-term, you get so much more control and power over your anxiety, over your emotions, so that you can lead a happier life. Yeah, I, I'm curious when when these scary experiences are happening and, um, you know, you're trying to not avoid it as much. Um, should someone like jump right into it or should they kind of take it stage by stage, step by step and start out with kind of like little desensitizations? That's actually a really great question. And I think there are, there's a lot of research that talks about that. I think a lot of things have to be considered, right? Trauma history, um, what the feared stimuli is exactly. Um, So there's a lot of things that come into play. But one of the things that you can do is they call it creating a hierarchy. So it's like creating a list of all these different ways you could engage with this scary thing. So for example, if I'm scared of spiders, Maybe I have look at pictures of spiders. Maybe I have like touch a spider. Maybe I have um, like watch that scene in Harry Potter where the spiders are all in the forest, right? Finding different ways of ways that I would interact with it and then assessing, oh, on a scale from zero to 10, how, how uncomfortable would that make me? And once you have that list, you really get to decide and have control over, okay, do I want to start with these lower level exposures? Do I want to start with maybe twos and threes? Or do I want to challenge myself with the higher numbers, eights, nines? Um, So you get some flexibility and there's research showing that both are beneficial. And at the end of the day, as long as you are engaging with that thing in one way or another, you're going to make progress towards your goal. Mm -hmm. And it's really up to the client and who is engaging in the experience, Mm -hmm. um, what they feel comfortable with, correct? Exactly. And something I'll say too is you get out of it as much as you give. So if we stay in the lower level exposures, that's going to be beneficial. It's going to be great long term. However, you're probably not going to make as much progress as quickly as you would maybe opening up, opening yourself up to the challenge of larger Mm -hmm. ones. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes too, even just that like mindset shift of Sure, let's try this thing that sounds really scary. Even that mindset where you open yourself up to the anxiety, you're going to lower the anxiety you experience because you've already changed your perspective on that scary thing. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to watch the different dynamics of exposure therapy like play out. At the same time, it's also really rewarding because you see people tune in to how capable they are. Where we as human beings handle challenges every single day, we might as well face the challenges that are going to benefit us long term. Yeah. And I think also just trusting yourself too and trusting the process is really helpful as well. And I think as scary as it is, like having 
someone who is supporting you through that process, whether it's a therapist, a family member, a friend, Mm -hmm. can be really beneficial. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways you can engage in that. And with the support, that's great. But also independently, I think of so many people with various degrees of social anxiety of like, how can I find little ways to engage socially? If it's okay, I'm going to go to the coffee shop and try to order um, not using the app, um, but like finding different ways that independently we can do things. I'm going to raise my hand more in my math class, even mm-hmm. if I don't, even if I'm not confident in the answer. It's, I always say it's finding a healthy balance between what you're like, what feels challenging, but also accessible. Yeah, exactly. So everyone should try ERP. <laughs> you don't have to call it that fancy name. Just challenge yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all good. So I think that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow Batch on the Couch on Instagram and Facebook and Batch on the Couch on Twitter and TikTok. Or check us out at bachelorontheCouch.com and send us an email at bachelorontheCouch at gmail.com. That's that. Bye.